Fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. To infinity and beyond! It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me, and my natural response could be to get offended. Well, fine, let's talk about it. Any thoughts of, of your own on this matter? Or do you, is that your thing? You come into a bar, you read some obscure passage, and then pretend you, you pawn it off as your own idea just to impress some girls? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. This is the 30-something movie podcast. I am your host, John Reed, and we are back again for another great 90s movie. We are still in the year 1993. We are talking the three Musketeers this time around, and we are down because of meetings and life and and everything else the the usual three or four musketeers that we have with us we are down to the two musketeers tonight it's mm-hmm. it's john and it's pat pat how are you doing great john how are you we are we are all for one and and one for two one for two yeah well no we're okay we're okay it's like oh, it's yeah. like the scene in the movie where he says let's split up yeah you know what i'm saying all right, we can. I, it really doesn't matter what what kind of odds we're facing. I we can take them. Mm-hmm. We're, regardless, we are now ready to resist. Yes. Yes. So, how are you doing, Pat? How's how's life going? John, life is going well. Good. Life is going really well. Had a fantastic weekend. Life was good. It was awesome. Did you? There there are a lot of horses in this movie. Did you ride some horses this weekend? John. That's basically all we did this weekend. It was super exciting. I got to participate in my first fun show with horses nice. at, the, at the ranch we ride at. Awesome. It, it was great. And the kids had their fun show on Saturday. And then the adult fun show was Sunday. So basically I was, and then, and it started Friday night because Friday night I had a lesson, my last group lesson before the show. So basically from Friday evening into night till Sunday night, I was at the ranch like, a mile up the road from our house nice. uh, outside riding horses. And that was a really humbling and exciting, like fun time. Nice. So for those that are the uninitiated, what does one do at a fun, other than the obvious, what does one do at a fun show? Well, so, so it's basically, it's the place that we ride at is Western style. Okay. So it starts in the morning with horsemanship where you ride around in the ring and they ask you to take the horse, horse at different speeds and such. And, and then they, there's, there's a judge sitting there and, and they, they judge you on how well you control your horse. Once you start loping the horse, or, do you have the horse taking the correct lead and so forth? And so there were a couple of classes where you're just basically judged on horsemanship. And then that's pretty much the morning. And then the afternoon are the games. And it was, what was it? It's called pole, pole bending which is where you ride, you kind of weave in and out. Maybe it's pole weaving. I'm still a novice, so I might get some of the terms wrong, but you basically, it's like a slalom course through poles, right? Okay. 
And then there was a flag race where you kind of go up to, you grab a flag out of a bucket of sand and then go around the arena and try and stab it in another one without the flag falling out. Yeah. And then there was barrel racing, which was pretty fun. Uh, let's just say pretty fun to say the least. Yeah. And uh, so they have a whole bunch of things that you do on horseback. There was a division for costumes. I didn't get a costume together okay. this year, but Daniela, Daniela went as a pony express rider. So that was pretty cool. Nice. And then there was a really cool event where you, you, you do partners and it's like, basically they, the judge comes back out and you ride around the ring with partners and then everything you have to do, you got to keep the horses neck and neck. So if you're walking, you got to walk together. If they have you jogging the horses, you have to jog the same speed. If you, if they take, have you taken to a lope, you got to lope the same speed. And as you're going around in a circle, obviously the guy on the outside has to go faster than the guy on the inside. And so it's, you got to like communicate with your partner. And so it's, it's a, it's super fun, challenging, humbling, and you, you just really, it's just a great time. It's awesome. I mean, it's, it's just really awesome. Nice. And uh, the place that we, the place that we ride at is they are such wonderful people. They are, it's family owned. There's like four generations of people working there. And it's like, they are just incredible teachers, incredible people. They are so helpful and just the, well, helpful to say the least. I mean, they have a wonderful place, wonderful horses. They're so inviting. Like you ask questions, they're there to help you out. They challenge you. And all the people there, and I'll tell you, man, there's some riders there that are, it's like jaw dropping. Yeah. And you see some of these folks do these things. And some of them are just amateurs that have been riding forever. Some of them are like, they go up and do like the rodeo in town and the shows and, you know, like the big times, but like, they are so good. Cause like you go through and you're working on your thing and then you see them go through and it's like, dang, what they can do with horses. And it's, it's pretty humbling. Nice. The best part is though. Whoever you go talk to, like no one cops an attitude. There is no, they're there to help you out. They'll answer questions. They're like, Hey, great job out there. You know, like everyone is just, it's just, you're just surrounded with good people and uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Nice. It's a lot of fun. So yeah, man, how many more hours do we have to talk about it? Cause I'll bend your ear with it. All right, as many as you want. I mean, my question is, so if you do a costume next time, may I suggest the Rohirrim? You know what? That's the thing. I I've thought I, I just, there was one of the gals that was riding her horse's name was Thor. Yeah. So she dressed up as lady Thor. Nice. Yeah. So you get that. The thing is like the hard part of the costume is you want to have it. So you don't need to explain it. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, that's okay, so, the thing. Is, so go, okay. So if you don't want to do that, you want an easy costume that's breathable and it's easy to wear while you're riding the horse. Do, do Indy, Indiana Jones. So yes, that is especially the next fun show is in October. Yeah. The next fun show is in October and perfect for Halloween. Perfect for Halloween. And I'll tell you, man, with the new Indiana Jones movie coming out, I am really thinking hard about going as Indy. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. I think that would be awesome. So yeah, man, good times. But like I said, and the place we, that we ride at is called Timmerman's ranch and saddle shop and it's yeah. right up the street from our house very cool they're awesome if anyone wants to man like i said if anyone wants to get lessons for the first time or try riding a horse or if you've been riding forever and just want to take a look at a just a wonderful place with wonderful human beings that just just make it awesome i mean they've made such a difference in our family and i mean a year ago to say if you would have asked a year ago 
it would have been kind of like, yeah, okay, riding horses. And, yeah. and now it's like, that's kind of what we're all about. And they're a wonderful place. So very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man. So that was the weekend. Sorry, I didn't mean to go completely off on that one, but it was no, it was a pretty it was a pretty great experience. So I don't know if you would say that that was our Marin. <laughs> I think we can say we have a Marin open. We have a Marin open. A mare and open. A mare. Would, would I you see say? what you did there? Would you, yeah. I see what you did there. I mean, I had to do it twice, but you saw what I did there. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. I, I did. I, it, it, took me, it took me a while. Hey, you know what? Hey, once I explained the punchline to the joke, you really laughed hard at it. That's, that's good. That's, that's, that's good. That's, that's, how it's, that's how it's supposed to work. Oh. Awesome. Well, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yes. Well, we are, as I said earlier, we were talking the Three Musketeers this time around. So very, very quickly, we spoil the movies we talk about. We just, we talk freely, so we don't do spoiler yes, we do. alerts here. So just be warned. There might be some milk in your fridge that's about to go bad. That's about the only spoiler we're going to give you here. So yeah, yep, 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 favorite, yep. Favorite, one of my favorite scenes from King of the Hill when Bobby gets put on, <laughs> was it a Prozac or some kind of medication? <laughs> and he's sitting in the kitchen, sitting at the kitchen table. There's some milk in the fridge that's about to go bad. And there it goes. <laughs> that's Amazing. pretty funny. There is uh, any time that we are pulling stuff out of the fridge on a weekend and we're like, all right, I think some stuff needs to get tossed out when, when, when garbage day rolls around. Is this any good? And so we'll, we will almost always quote that at some point. Well, there's some milk in the fridge that's about to go bad. And there it goes. There it goes. What was that line in the naked gun when he's sitting there and, and he's like, Hey, I got some Chinese food in here and it's whatever the name's the restaurant. She goes, so-and-so, <laughs> excuse me. Sorry. Right. She's like, so-and-so didn't they go out of business three years ago? And he opens up the carton and you see him pass out. You yeah. remember that scene? It was, that it was Wong Wu's. Wong Wu's. Wong Wu's. Didn't they go out of business three years ago? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Gee, has it been that long? <laughs> That's right. That's right. She hasn't been that long. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a fantastic movie that is. That's right. I didn't feel like Chinese tonight. Yeah, that's right. I know a place that serves great Viking food. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Make sure you visit our website, 30podcast.com. You can leave a rating, a voicemail. You can become a co-executive producer via Patreon. I am also going to throw out there, if you are wanting to go back and find our old episodes, that is one of the best ways to do it, is to go back to our website. You can search or you can just run down the entire, we've got 400 and whatever at this point. You can run down the entire thing. I'm going to put this out here now because there are some things that I'm kind of working on. I know we're a little ways away, but I'm working on some stuff for our 500th episode already. 500. And so I'm going to put this out here and say... I'm going to ask the people, the people who are listening, that if you have or if you are, are going back in the back catalog and you want, to, you want to mention some of these things, if you have some favorite moments of some of our past episodes, like I, I know there are some particularly funny things, like in our very first year of doing things, we had some funny moments that have, the jokes have kind of carried on for, for years now. Mm -hmm. But if you have moments, so those of you that are listening, if you have moments from our podcast or episodes from our podcast in the past that are, are absolute favorites of yours, feel free to start to drop me a line and let me know, either Twitter, email, however you want to do that, voicemail, whatever, because I'm starting to kind of collect some stuff and I, I may ask for some 
some favorite moments that people have had while listening to our show over the last few years, all the way up until our 500th episode. So if you're thinking about that now, if you're, if you've got something in mind, feel free to send it my way. Cause I'm starting to work on some, I know we're like 20 whatever episodes until then, but that's going to be right around the corner. So, so just to clarify, are we doing like a clip show or are we going to go like just honorable flashback kind of thing? There, I've got a few things planned for the 500th episode. I, I have to run okay. past you guys, but there may be, a, we may put a minor clip show device on, on our 500th nice. and, and just have a clip show moment or two. Yeah. So, but I That's have awesome. some, I, I have some possible ideas. I have some ideas related to trivia, maybe like a trivia game. I've got, I've got some, got some thoughts, so. Got some thoughts. Run, run some Super exciting. Go. 500th episode. Dear Lord, where did the time go? I know. It's it's pretty crazy. Like, I started looking at it. I was like, oh, yeah, we're still a ways away from, oh, no, we're not. No, we're not. Like, as I'm, as I'm planning out what work. our recordings are moving forward, I'm like, ooh, that's, uh, that, that number has a four and an eight that it starts with, which is really close mm-hmm. to a five and a zero. So might need mm-hmm. to start thinking about this. The doomsday clock picks ever closer. It is. We are four minutes to midnight. Four minutes to midnight. Yeah. All right. Ah, so, yeah, boy. so make sure you go to our uh, go to our website, 30podcast.com. That is also a spot where you can join us on Patreon. So if you want to get bonus content, we got bonus episodes over there and other a plethora of other things that you can get benefits through if you join us at certain levels there. But any level of support gets you those bonus episodes over there on Patreon. So go check that out. Patrick, I don't think I have too many other news items for us here, so I think we can just dive right on into this one. Yeah, man, I think we should. Let's dive it in. All right. So, as I said, this one is The Three Musketeers. came out on November 12th, 1993, rated PG. It was one hour, 45 minutes. Directed by Stephen Herrick, who did Mr. Holland's Opus and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Writer was David Lowry, who did Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. What does God need with a starship? He also did Dreamscape. Producer was Roger Birnbaum, who did Rush Hour and The Magnificent Seven, the 2016 version. And Joe Roth, who did Alice in Wonderland 2010 and Maleficent in 2014. Composer composer was Michael Kamen, who did Die Hard, Band of Brothers, the TV series, and I believe the first X-Men movie. Cinematographer was Dean Semler. He did Dances with Wolves and Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Editor was John F. Link, who did Die Hard and Commando. The production companies were Walt Disney Pictures and Caravan Pictures. Budget was an estimated $30 million, box office $53.9 million. It gets an A- minus on CinemaScore, and Flickmetrics gives it a 53%. Charlie Sheen. That's kind of a, oh, yeah, that's kind of a diverse... Is that... It was... CinemaScore gives it a 53? Yeah. And is that similar... That's like the no, average but, one, yeah, right? Cinema, CinemaScore... What did I say? CinemaScore gives it an A-? minus. Oh, CinemaScore yeah. gives it A minus, and then Flickmetrics gives then it the Flickmetrics gives it the the fifty three. Yeah, it's it's really kind of interesting. Like I'm I'm gonna go ahead and just I'll I'll spoil our conversation for people. I really enjoy this movie. Like I watch this movie probably once a year, maybe okay. once, maybe once every couple of years or so. But I mean, I I've mm-hmm. rewatched this one several times, and it's fun. It's great. It is. It's fun. I love this movie. I I think it's super fun. But you go on to any of the spots that have like critic ratings and you know stuff like that, and it's like forty-seven percent, 
43%. Mm-hmm. You know, IMDb, I think it gets, it says here, it gets a 63% on IMDb. So it's not, it's not getting good scores on some of these other, on these other services, but I, I mean, sure, it's got its problems, but still a fun movie. Yeah, so we all I don't, got our problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. Yeah, Cinema Score, cinema score is the one where people get, people get surveyed as they're leaving the theater. So if you went to go see this movie okay. and you had fun seeing it, that's where you, that's, those are the people that, you, that are giving it an A-, minus. is people who saw the movie, and as they're leaving the theater, they are being surveyed, you know, how do they enjoy the movie, what grade would they give it. That's where you're getting that A- minus from. The rest of most of these scores are from movie critics. Okay. that are going to go through and they're going to kind of nitpick it a little bit and they're going to give it that kind of a score and you know all that stuff. But yeah. So. Got it. Got it. So that's why sometimes we see a bit of a discrepancy between those. Got it. Okay. Well, thanks for the back background, you know, information on our own show that I still need, even though we're closing in on the 500th episode. <laughs> oh, no problem. Yeah, actually, here, I was going to pull it up on Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter for the Three Musketeers, it gets a 30%. Okay. Audience score, it gets a 62%. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of the, that's similar to what we're seeing between cinema score and flick metrics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny, though, here, I'll, the, the, very brief critic consensus that they have on Rotten Tomatoes says its starry trio of do-gooders may promise to fight, quote, one for all, all for one, but this Three Musketeers is a slickly unmemorable update bound to satisfy very few. All right. And I read that. Well, and I, John, we're the... I, apparently we're the very few. I was just... Was that what you were going to say? I kind of stole your uh, stole your segment there. But yeah, we're the few, John. Yeah. Welcome to the few. The few, the proud. We Hey, you know what? One for few and few for one. The needs of the many. The needs of the many outweigh the one for all and the all for few. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get very confused by the time we're done with all this. I I am very confused. I shouldn't have. This is what happens when I interrupt the opening. Oh, no, 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 no. That's fine. So here's here's a little funny thing. A movie that gets better cinema or better Rotten Tomatoes scores for both the critics and the audience Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2? Yeah. That one gets a better score from both the critics and the audience than this Three Musketeers movie. <sighs> Pat, consider my mind boggled. Mm-hmm. I feel, I'm sitting here, John, I'm sitting here and I feel boggled as well. Yeah. And not even like the good boggle, like the word game. No, no, this is not a good boggle. Yeah. You know what? Let's just talk about the movie. I Let's just say that we're not going to worry what the poopy pants think. No, no, I, I don't care what Mr. Poopy Pants thinks. We're all, mm-hmm. we're all not mature. All. We're all mature adults here. Isn't that right, Mr. Poopy yeah. Pants? Yeah. Mr. Poopy Pants. Yeah. All right. Well, Charlie Sheen played Aramis. He was in Platoon and Wall Street. Kiefer Sutherland played Athos. He was in Stand By Me and 24. Chris O'Donnell was D'Artagnan. He was in Batman Forever and Scent of a Woman. Hoo-ah! Uh, Oliver Platt played Porthos. I'm going to have to try really hard. Every time I see the name Porthos and I know better, I always want to say Portillo's. So if I accidentally say that, I, somehow when I see it typed out, 
just the letters next to each other. I, I don't know if it means I'm hungry. I don't know what it means, but I see that name and I want to say Portillo's. So if I accidentally I say Athos, Porth- Athos, Portillo's, and Aramis, then I apologize. I always think of Captain Archer's dog. That as well, yes. So Oliver Platt was in Flatliners and Frost Nixon. Flatliners, you love that one, Pat. That was an exciting movie, John. I love it two minutes longer than you do. Do you want to – I bet we could try to recap it for people real quick. I bet I could recap it for people in about two and a half minutes. I could totally do it in two minutes and 15 seconds. Okay. I bet I could recap it in a minute 52. I thought half of the movie was a comedy. You did, and that's what I think is hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I know that <laughs> – I'm just going to say it again, man. Like, okay, I know my humor is in everyone's style, but boy, this is really dark. I I don't know how people like think this is funny. Man, Flatliners, is that when like a one-liner falls flat and nobody laughs at it? Because I think that's what's well, actually, happening here. Well, that kind of was what was happening. Yeah, it was bit, a good yeah. movie, though. I liked it. I just... I just, I, it, it, I, it brings a smile to my face thinking that you're sitting there watching this going, when does the funny happen? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I'm like, why is everybody laughing at this? I and I'm laughing too, and this doesn't feel right. And I'm and I'm picturing you sitting there going, "Wow, the other guys think this is funny. What's wrong with me?" I know. Yeah. I know. I know. The universe isn't messed up. I'm messed up. <laughs> I'm messed up. Uh, Tim Tim Curry. Let's just take a moment. Tim Curry. Oh man, oh. he's great. He is in everything he, he is, does. He is amazing. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. I mean, I, one of the great movie villains is his Cardinal Richelieu. Oh yeah, and what I love is that his goatee has the little mustache part of the goatee. Yeah, has a little bit of the side that actually looks like it was twirled. A you know bit, what I'm yeah. saying? Like oh, he, yeah. yeah, and like I don't even know if it matches the goatee, but he's got little twirlers on the end of his mustache. Mm-hmm. To, it just in my mind, it's like he's totally the mustache twirling bad yeah. guy. Oh, yeah. So he was also in Rocky Horror Picture Show and Clue. Rebecca de Mornay played Milady de Winter. There's a lot of duh in there. She was in Risky Business and The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Gabriel Anwar played Queen Anne. She was in Scent of a Woman and Burn Notice. Michael Wincott, another great actor in these these type of movies. Michael Wincott played Rochefort, which I understand is a smelly kind of cheese. He was in The Crow and Alien Resurrection. Paul McGann played Gerard. He was in With Nail and I and Doctor Who. Julie Delpy played Constance. She was in Before Sunrise and Two Days in Paris. And Hugh O'Connor played Louis XIII. He was in My Left Foot and Chocolat. All right, I've got some trivia stuff, just a couple things real quick, trivia-wise, for you. Some some kind of fun stuff here. Originally, they wanted Robert Downey Jr. for a role in this. They talked to William Baldwin, Johnny Depp, Gary Oldman, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Carrie Elwes, Al Pacino, and Brad Pitt actually turned down the role of D'Artagnan. So Those are very interesting. Those are very interesting. The one I think of... I think Robert Downey Jr. would would have really fit with the guys that they had in there. Yeah. I think I think Carrie Elwes would have been awesome in there just because he's awesome in everything. But I mean he could have brought I think he could have definitely well, he could have definitely brought the swashbuckling and we know he could have brought the humor because of Princess Bride and Men in Tights. 
Mm-hmm. So that would have been the, I, I, that would have been interesting to see. Yeah. So Carrie Elwes, who played Wesley in The Princess Bride, another swashbuckling movie, he was actually considered for one of the roles in this movie. And pretty far into the casting process, he was still being considered. And there was actually a, an interview very early on before pre-production, as pre-production was taking place. He was interviewed at Planet Hollywood in New York City with Charlie Sheen and Kiefer Sutherland. And this interview was broadcast on the E! Network, and Carrie Elwes was, was interviewed as if he was going to be one of the cast. So that would have been another fun one, somebody else who has spent some time in, in swashbuckling movies. Yes, agreed. Very much so. I mean, I mean some of the other fun stuff about this movie is, uh, where was the one I, was, I had written this down? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's during the final duel with Rochefort, the smelly cheese. D'Artagnan, there's a scene where, I don't know, if, did you catch this or not, the connection to Star Wars? I did. did you? I did. Yes, I did. He, <laughs> he leaps over him, spins, and lands on the other side, and Rochefort says, impressive. It would have just, it, it would have, yeah, I know, say it. Most impressive. There you go. That that would have been chef's kiss, just to, to yeah. have that in there. I, I, I would have made me smile. I mean, the impressive yes. makes me smile anyway, but. Right, right. It was, uh, it was, a, it was a great scene. It was a great scene. Yeah. Did you hear that Sam Raimi was considered for directing this? I did not hear that one. Was he really? Yeah, I don't know when they say considered, you don't know if that yeah. was like kicked around or if he was heavily, but I was, when I was reading a little bit about this movie, yeah, Sam Raimi was, which makes that, it a completely different movie. That would have you know been what I'm very saying? Very different. Yeah. Like very early nineties, Sam Raimi, we're, we're still talking like army of darkness type Sam right. Raimi We're yeah, that like some of the camera shots, some of the other stuff that could have been, that could have been interesting. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that Sam Raimi of that era would have fit well with Disney, but maybe he would have. Yeah, it, it it would be interesting to hear how that all comes down. Like, hey, here are the things that we're looking at and what we'd like, and you know. Yeah. So and, and again, it was something it was something I read. I don't know yeah. how deep into the process that oh, moment. I, that would have been interesting. Hmm. Michael Wincott, I just I want to take a moment while we were talking through trivia and the cast and everything else. This guy is like the the quintessential bad guy, or at least the quintessential assistant to the bad guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah, because he is, I mean, he is Gita Gisborne in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, what was his character's name in The Crow? Top Dollar, was that his name? I think so, yeah. I think that was his name. He was Orliac, the warden of the Chateau d'If in Count of Monte Cristo. So, I mean, in, mm-hmm. in these kind of like, whether he's playing a criminal or or in these like Alexander Dumas swashbuckling kind of movies, Robin Hood kind of movies, like he is his his voice is just that very distinctive. When he starts talking, you know oh, yeah. who that is. You know exactly who that is. Yeah, and he's got the look. Oh yeah. He can play a villain just about any time he wants. Yeah, yeah. He's and he's fun to watch on screen. Yeah. You know, he looked, I know that they put these guys through, well, with the exception of Charlie Sheen, they put these guys through like a six-week stored camp. Yeah. Stored and fencing camp. He, 
he almost looked the most natural. Like, I wonder if he's, you know, or maybe he just didn't have as many scenes as the other guys did. But no, I, he's fun to watch on screen. Like, he looks very natural with the the combat sequences and so forth. I, he was probably in enough of these movies, having been in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and, you know, he's probably been in enough of these movies. Oh, yeah. He probably has got it down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he definitely brings that, like you said, that ilk of character to life. Absolutely. So question for you, Pat. I don't know if you've ever noticed, have, maybe you've noticed this. Maybe it bothers you, maybe it doesn't. I mean, I'm, every time, even as a kid, when I would see The Three Musketeers, whether it was a book version, movie version, TV show, the, the poster of the movie version, whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know if it ever bothered you that the movie is called The Three Musketeers, and mm -hmm. Patrick, how many musketeers are typically on the movie poster? Well, there's four, right? There's there's four. Now, Pat, what mm -hmm. has what has been very well established at this point on this show is it was my mm -hmm. understanding that there would be no math. However, that's always that's a good point. Like, like, as a kid, I was always like, wait a minute, why? And especially this one, because in a lot of the movie posters and promotional stuff, they even have Chris O'Donnell's character in the full musketeer uniform and he doesn't get that until the mm -hmm. very very end of the movie right so right that is a kid i remember always confusing me i was like why is this called the three musketeers there's four of them. right like i i know yeah. i'm like 11 years old but i can there count are four musketeers pat i'm so glad you said that because oh shoot i'm sorry did i steal it I no. did i steal it no, no, no. Okay, it's, I, it I was I was going right to that, that, that famous scene uh, uh, in the, well, one of the deleted scenes from that one episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, the Chain of Command Part 3. Yeah. Or Part 2 and a right. Half. We could call it Two and a Half. Mm -hmm. I don't, do you remember that scene? Refresh our and the viewer's memory. Let me refresh your memory. This is the scene where Captain Picard is being interrogated, and he's being asked a very specific question. I asked how many musketeers do you see? There are four musketeers. I don't understand how you can be so mistaken. There are four musketeers. Powerful scene, John. That was a powerful scene. And you know what? He he stuck to his guns the entire time. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Because there are. There are four musketeers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. That, honestly, that confused me too as a kid. Yeah. I'm like, look, at that, at, that point that because in, at that point in my life, math was, was at least as uncomplicated enough so that I as a child could be like one, two, three, four. I don't know. And maybe, and I'll, I'm going to freely admit it. I love this movie, but I have not like seen it as much as the Rocketeer or seen it as much oh, sure. as Prince of Thieves and, and all that. And I'm not as familiar with the source material. Is it, are there rough? I mean, it's from what I've read, it's kind of roughly the same story beats. Like there's three Musketeers and then there's the one that's the son of D'Artagnan and he's yeah. trying to work his way in. Is that, is that pretty accurate? In pretty much all the stories, 
D'Artagnan does not become a musketeer until like two thirds of the way through the book. Okay. You know, or yeah, there's always the three. In fact, in the, in the books, I believe they're referred to as the three inseparables, the Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. And then D'Artagnan is always the, the young one that wants to be a part of it. And I want to say in the original books, I might get this wrong, that he was a member, he was a member of a different type of Royal guard. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the musketeers, the, the, I think they were referred to as the, the musketeers of the guard or something like that. And they were meant to be kind of a, the original musketeers, the actual French musketeers were meant to be, I mean, they were formed in the 1600s and they were meant to be kind of like a light cavalry group that had been equipped with muskets. Of course they had their swords, but they also had muskets and they were both kind of the Royal guard and they were also kind of frontline infantry. So they were kind of treated as almost like, I guess your equivalent would be like the secret service. If the secret service was also a special ops group that would also fight Mm -hmm. on the front lines of a battle. Got it. So, and apparently one of the books, and I don't remember, I don't remember if that's the original, if that's the original, the first book that, that Dumas wrote, but I believe D'Artagnan was supposed to be a member of a different Royal guard and he befriended the three musketeers. And so that's why there's always four of them, even though, even though it's always called the three musketeers. Whereas in some of the movie versions, it's D'Artagnan is a young man who wants to join the musketeers and he just, he has not officially joined yet. The three inseparables are Athos, Porthos and Aramis. So that's the three musketeers with him in, in the junior training squad. And that's probably the answer why it's the three. Yes. Right. Cause yeah. they're the, yeah. But still, when you look on the face of it, it's like, wait a minute. Right. I can count. Mm-hmm. All right. Quick synopsis for this one. We'll run through some major moments and then we will we'll think a little deeper about this one. In a France, on the brink of chaos, young D'Artagnan aspires to become a musketeer. He allies with the legendary three musketeers, Athos, Porthos, and Aramis, to foil the treacherous Cardinal Richelieu's plot. Amid intrigue and danger, they must protect the king and the future of France. Normally, I would just I would go straight into the trailer at this point. I would also like to point out that I, I have a hidden little, like I did with the Marin at the beginning there. I have a hidden little thing in there yeah. that they are to foil the treacherous Cardinal Richelieu's like uh, a foil being a, a fencing sword. I see what I okay. I see what you did there. I'm here to explain the jokes tonight to to all the people. That's 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 what I'm here for, John. It's the mark of true humor. The mark of true humor is that you explain all your jokes. Is that you can explain it. Because if if you can't explain it, if you can't explain it, then it's just not true humor. Yes. Those those who do, do. Those who don't explain their jokes. That's right. Low-hanging fruit is when people laugh without having to have the explanation. It's the explanation. Correct. You know, it drives us. Correct. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think we have unlocked humor. We, we strive, we strive to be the patron saints of mediocrity here is what we're looking for. It's, it's right. Well, we don't strive too hard for mediocrity. No, no, no. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. You can't, you can't force mediocrity. No. All for one and one for, I don't know. Anybody that wants to show up. 
pretty and much. If you don't, that's fine too. Yeah, it's no, middle of the road. Do what you want to do. Middle of the road. Do what you want to do. We, we don't care. All right. All right. Here's the trailer. You're under arrest. Five of them, three of us. Hardly think fair. Maybe we should give a chance to surrender. Excuse me, but there's four of us. Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. Hello. Nice to meet you. Pleasure. Now, we are prepared to resist it. Walt Disney Pictures presents the story of the greatest heroes who ever lived. Ah! Long live the Musketeer! It was a time when danger was irresistible. Did I miss anyone? King's life is in danger. We have work to do. 1,000 gold pieces on each of their heads, dead or alive. I prefer... Kill him! Dead. Adventure was everywhere. I hope we're not interrupting. Kill those musketeers. Champagne? In the middle of a chase, Porthos. And friendship... Right. Something red. ...was the greatest weapon of all. For one, more for me. Charlie Sheen. We must pray for ourselves. Second thought, God's often busy. Kiefer Sutherland. Save the king! Chris O'Donnell. Want a mission for the king? I've heard that before. Oliver Platt. That's it. Next time you drive. Tim Curry. Snap of my fingers, and you could be back on the block where I found you. And Rebecca De Mornay. And with a flick of my wrist, I could change your religion. The Three Musketeers. Pat, I love Willow. I just wanted to say that. Sometimes we like to yeah, comment. Was, we, we like to comment on the trailer music. I love Willow, and I love the Willow music. Yeah, it's really good music. Yeah, it's really good music. I was trying to place it, and I'm like, okay, I don't think this is the music. Yeah, that we that we heard in the movies. But oh, what what the heck? What the hey? Yeah, you are great, Pat. I have some before we jump into major moments for this one. I had a couple of other funny things I did not mention during the trivia portion of the show. Sure, here. man. Share sure, um, there is so there have been a lot of different iterations of the Three Musketeers, different TV shows, movies, books, everything else. Pat, I found one that I kind of think I want to try to find and watch. It it was advertised as being possibly on Netflix, but I could not find it there. I believe that I believe you can maybe find it on YouTube. But I'm very very curious about this now. A TV movie from 1992 called Ring of the Musketeers. Have you heard of this one? I don't believe I have. Pat, this is a TV movie from 1992 in which, oh. the, in which the descendants of the original Three Musketeers are oh. continuing the chivalrous tradition of protecting those who can't protect themselves, carrying it into the modern age. So okay. rather than fighting lords and counts, these musketeers have the mafia to deal with. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read you their names, Pat, and I'm going to read you some of the actors that are in this TV movie. 
And this may explain why I really feel like I'd like to see this now. So the descendants of the original Three Musketeers, Peter Porthos, John Smith D'Artagnan, played by David Hasselhoff. Okay. Anne-Marie Athos, played by Alison Doody. Okay. And they also team up with a reformed burglar, Bert Aramis, played by Cheech Marin. Okay. This has, and John Reese davies Sala from the Indiana Jones movies, right. also plays in this one as well. So you've got Allison Duty, Cheech Marin, David Hasselhoff, John Reese davies in a modern-day Three Musketeers retelling. So they're kind of going from, well, I would say the comedy, but maybe not. Wait, who's Allison Duty? I know I should know this. I know it's like Pat. Come on. She, was, who's in, Allison uh, she was in Last Crusade. She, okay, th- she was the she was the Austrian she was Elsa Snyder. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We like Austria better. Hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I uh, she talks in her sleep. I I, I love the look when he says I, that. I know. I know that that was just so well done. Yeah. yeah okay. You know, I like to see, and you know, the nineties was a different time, and what people yeah. found entertaining, and the direction they were going with things, and. Yeah, what the hey? I would. I, would I thought curious. you were going to tell me it would be cool if it was like a League of Shadows type thing, where these have been like they're they're training in secret, and the Musketeers come out, but they're yeah. like modernized. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that could be. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, there have been some good Musketeer movies, you know, over the over the years. Some some not so good, but but some good. But yeah, no, I, mm-hmm. I saw this one. I was like, okay, you David Hasselhoff, Cheech Marin. You've already kind of sold me at that point, but. You've got a few other people in there, too. I'm like, all right, I might need to find this and, and give it a watch. So Ring of the Musketeers, mm-hmm. if anybody's looking for it, Ring of the Musketeers. I think you can find it on YouTube. So I'm going to have to check that one out at some point. All right. So for this one, we go through, I've got uh, 10 major moments. I've, I've tried to summarize the movie in 10 major moments, so we'll run through these real quick. This is just to kind of give you an overview of the story. If you have not seen this or haven't seen it in a while, to kind of get you up to speed, and then we will share our opinions on the movie after that point. So we start off with the arrival and D'Artagnan's dream. He arrives in Paris. Young D'Artagnan arrives in Paris aiming to become a musketeer like his late father, despite finding out that they have been disbanded by Cardinal Richelieu's orders. Now, one other thing real quick. The movie does kind of start off with there is a duel scene, and this kind of continues as a as a running gag throughout the movie that he, the guy's name I think is Gerard, and mm-hmm. he, he is dueling Gerard because Gerard is convinced that he dishonored his sister in some way. And so mm-hmm. this is how the movie starts, and the rest of the movie pretty much happens because Gerard has been chasing him across France and through Paris, and, and we actually end the movie with a reversal of that and Gerard being chased off. So uh, mm-hmm. that is how the movie starts. But then as he arrives in Paris, we find that he gets there and he comes to Musketeer headquarters, finds that it is abandoned and trashed and has a quick conversation with Athos, doesn't know that that's who that is, and finds himself, you know, having to arrange a duel with uh, with Athos. Same thing goes for when he bumps into and spills some food and wine on Porthos, and then ultimately Aramis, as he's trying to escape a, a jealous husband, 
he ends up <laughs> falling on top of D'Artagnan, and D'Artagnan is a little rude about it. I mean, you don't like it when people fall on top of you, but he's a little rude about it. He, he did apologize, and ultimately he, he ends did up, apologize. He did. He did apologize. And ultimately, he ends up having duels arranged with the three musketeers, though he does not know they are musketeers, at, uh, I think it was at noon, one o'clock, and two o'clock. So he's going to have a very, very busy afternoon. Mm-hmm. I would not do that personally. I like to do my killing before breakfast. I was, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Seven o'clock. I do my killing before breakfast. My killing before breakfast. The, during the duels, as they are getting ready to start the duels with D'Artagnan, they some of the Cardinal's guards show up because these are the last three of the musketeers that have not laid down their weapons. And so mm-hmm. they team up with D'Artagnan, who fights the guards with them. D'Artagnan, a little bit later, a few minutes later, as they are trying to escape the Cardinal's guards, he is captured, but he is able to overhear the plot mm-hmm between Cardinal Richelieu and the mysterious Milady de Winter, who mm-hmm. he finds out that Cardinal Richelieu is planning to supplant the King of France, that he is signing a treaty with the Duke of Buckingham in England, and this is going to get him placed on the French throne so that he can become the, become the king. Mm-hmm. The musketeers rescue D'Artagnan. They do so by disguising themselves as executioners when he's about to be beheaded. And then he does tell them Richelieu's plot. They are planning to intercept Milady de Winter in Calais to retrieve this secret treaty that has, has Cardinal Richelieu's signature on it. They end up catching up in Calais, and he kind of, D'Artagnan ends up being picked up by Milady de Winter. And he unknowingly kind of reveals their plan to her, who then attempts to kill him. Musketeers mm-hmm. do show up, intervene, and Athos recognizes Milady de Winter as his former wife, who he thought had died. Oh. So yeah. always awkward, you know, when, when you think yep. that when you think that they passed away a long time ago and then you find out that your murderous former wife is still alive and still assassinating people and you know, yeah. super, super dangerous. So and, and sad. Well, you never want that to happen. Yeah. You never want that to happen. No. So they retrieve the treaty. The musketeers get the treaty. She is sentenced to death. Before dying, she does reveal Richelieu's plan to assassinate the king and when it's going to happen, that it's going to happen on the king's birthday celebration. She then ends up taking her life by jumping off the cliff. Mm-hmm. The musketeers then know, all right, we've, we've got to get to the king's birthday. We've got to save him. So they are rushing in to thwart this assassination attempt on the king and are able to implicate Richelieu in the process of that. I did love this scene. There's another connection I feel to, and I, I don't have a sound drop for this one, but I feel there's another connection to Star Trek in here mm-hmm. because what I wanted to have happen, you have the sharpshooter that's on the roof and Chris mm-hmm. O'Donnell, D'Artagnan, goes sliding down the roof to hit him, which then you know causes the shot to go a little, just a bit outside. And mm-hmm. when that mm-hmm. happens, what I wish D'Artagnan would have done is he would have slid down there, hit the guy. Somebody would have dove on the king and said, Kirk, Enterprise. Mm-hmm. The whole scene from Star Trek VI, I just I kind of wanted that in there. Fire it in. Fire it in. Yeah. 
And then we have the final confrontation. Richelieu escapes with the king and queen as his hostages. D'Artagnan is able to defeat Senor Stinky Cheese, Mr. Rochefort, in a duel, avenging his father. I also wanted a little bit of an homage here and have him say things like, you know, hello, my name is D'Artagnan. You killed my father. Mm -hmm. Prepare to lose another eye or something like that. Right. It would have fit. Yeah. Would have loved to have that. I'm noticing that the the really terrible villains who kill people's fathers either have extra or fewer body parts. It is a common theme. Nobody's nobody's ever just right with their body parts. No, you know, you're there's something that identifies you as evil. Mm-hmm. I I notice you're missing your left eye. Someone was looking for you. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Exactly. Athos, Porthos, and Aramis pursue Richelieu, and ultimately they end up stopping him. And they save the king and the queen. The king reinstates the musketeers, appoints D'Artagnan as one of them, and the entire musketeer division stands together as Gerard once again tries to get to D'Artagnan for dishonoring his sister. And at the end of the movie, we have the all-for-one, one-for-all, and all of the musketeers start chasing Gerard and his brothers out of Paris. That's super exciting. Oh, yeah. I like it's, that. It's, it's a fun ending. Hey, and wasn't when the one guy was playing Guy Gisburn in Robin Hood, wasn't he supposed to be missing an ear? Was he? I think he was. I think holding up your, we're missing a body part. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I think he was supposed to be missing an ear. It's a pattern. There's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of missing body. I mean, I feel I feel fortunate to live in the time in the era that we live in where mm-hmm. you don't have to be missing a lot of body parts. I, f- I feel like that was that was very medieval. Yeah. 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 Theodoric of York, medieval barber. Just yes. give him a good bloodletting. Yes. Hey, who's the barber here? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Ah, all right. Pat, I think it's time for us to think a little bit more deeper about this one. I want to go deeper, man. And now, Deep Thoughts. I have an opinion on this matter. Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? I like it a lot. Wow. It's very deep. Thank you. All right, Patrick, first question. Do you like this movie, and when was the first time? Yes. Yes, I love this movie. It's just fun. Yeah. I, you know what though? I don't know if I, I don't know how I missed it as a kid. Like maybe I saw it once okay. I, I saw it later and I think it was one of those, like, how have I not seen this movie? And then it was, I think maybe sometime during college yeah. or maybe even after, maybe it was maybe when I was working, when I first got out of college, like sometime later, I finally just like, Oh, I should watch this movie. And I, I don't know how I missed it. I don't know how I didn't watch it with the family because I think yeah. I think my dad would have really enjoyed it. I don't know how I didn't watch it with friends because we were all about the swords. And so, so yeah, I, I've seen it. It's great. I We are currently doing a Star Wars and Marvel complete watch through with the family. But yeah. as soon as... And, you know, as soon as we're kind of all caught up and done with that, I think I'm going to put it on the list of, hey, guys, you might like this movie. Yeah. So I, I love it. What about yourself, man? No, I, I really enjoy this movie. In fact, I think we might've seen it in the theater. 
when it came out. Oh, cool. I, I feel like this is one that we would have seen in the theater. I feel like I have memories of seeing this in the theater. But yeah, yeah. no, this I, I've I've enjoyed this one since the first time I saw it, and I'm pretty certain the first time I saw it was probably in '93. So. Okay. Yeah, really, yeah. really enjoy this movie. And this is one of those, you, you just said it, this is one of those where you don't ever feel, there are certain action movies that I'm like, eh, is is this okay to show my kids? So if if you're somebody who's listening to this and you've got kids and you're like, eh, it's an action movie, there's some fighting, I mean, people get killed and, and other stuff. Yeah, but it's, a, it's one of those kind of PG live action Disney ones where if, if you want to show them an action movie, kind of swashbuckling movie like this, this is not a bad one to do. Yeah. What was the movie that was like, I well, it was an okay movie, but then it had some kind of Italian cinema connection to it. Oh, you're talking um, about striking distance. I'm talking about, yeah. Have we, have we recorded that one yet? We have, we have recorded that one. Well, but is it out? Have our viewers seen it yet? By the time this one comes out? Yes, they will have heard it. Okay, good. So I'm not spoiling anything. No. But do you remember how the discussion in that was that movie might have been kind of trying to hit the same beats as that Italian form of cinema? Yes. And then I quite snarkily <laughs> said, I was trying to make a joke, but I'm like, I don't care. It, it's just, I'm going to watch the movie for what it is and all that. And then it was kind of like, I felt like I, I was bad and I hurt your feelings and I felt bad about that. And Pat, there's, there's, a couple things, of, there's a couple things you need to remember. First yes. of all, first of all, I have no feelings. Second of all, <laughs> yeah. If you made a joke and it didn't go over, it's because you didn't explain it. I probably should have explained it. See, yeah. that's the thing. I need to retain that level of humor. And anyways, and, and, making, and number C, I have no ego to bruise. So yeah, I have no. Yeah. That's right. The ship, of course, is yours. Right. No. Uh, well, here's my point, though, dude. I was thinking like this is a perfect example of the opposite of what I said in that. Mm -hmm. And I think we talked about how different genres appeal to people. Yeah. Like this to me seems almost like hearkening back made in the same style of Robin hood, captain blood, like an yes. Errol Flynn type movie. Very like much so. that's what this seems like. And just the story beats, the bad guys were all mustache twirling. You know, I mean, I think in one time of movies, it was always like they cast, a certain look of actors in the Spanish were always the bad guys. And it was the English we were cheering for. And then, and later, not the Errol Flynn movies, but it would always be the bad guys have the British accents, like that kind of thing. And in this one, they do the same thing, even, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but you know, our main characters talk like they could have been filming a movie set in the 1990s. Right. I mean, that's very much, but that's okay. I mean, we love those guys and, the bad guys all seem to have the accents and are the mustache twirling. That seems to track right with the beats of a movie made in the 1930s, like an, a yeah. swashbuckling adventure back then. And, and here's the thing, like, I, I get it that that's kind of the, what they were trying to do. And the thing is I get where the critics might don't like it for one reason, what, but I love this genre of movie. I love adventure movies. I love to munch on some popcorn and have a sword fight and mm -hmm. do some awesome stunts and, I, I love it when he runs and hops up on the horse. I love it when they do that. Kind of hops, he jumps up over the fanny and lands on the top of the horse. Yeah. I, I just love all that stuff. And so, I don't know, I'm just kind of rambling and I apologize, but that it's, it's like the opposite of what I said last time. Like, okay, this movie seems to track right with those movies from the thirties, 
but I'm going to be totally down with it because it's a genre that I like, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's okay. It's just fun. Yeah. One of the other fun things about this movie is, and it's, it's one of the reasons why I, I feel like this movie constantly comes up and I'm constantly reminded of this movie the same way that I'm constantly reminded of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And, and that's because I enjoy Brian Adams music. Mm -hmm. Like I have several playlists where I have a bunch of Brian Adams songs on different like classic rock playlists or, you know, eighties, nineties, power ballad kind of songs type stuff. But I, I think one of the things every, every time I hear everything I do, I do it for you. I am constantly taken back to watching Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Sure. Yeah. And, and the same thing with this one. Like whenever I hear the song, is it, is it, every, and it's not everything I do. It's is it all for one and all for, and all for love. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And every time I'll hear that song, I'm immediately thinking of this one and I'm thinking, you know what? This was actually a, a pretty, you know, pretty big thing to start doing at this point mm-hmm. in the late eighties, early nineties, as they were doing this, they did it with, they did it with Robin hood with the, everything I do, I mm-hmm. do it for you. They did it with these these things that would become like top forty hits on the radio. They did that. They, Beauty and the Beast was, I think, the same year as Everything I Do I Do It for You and and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I think Beauty mm-hmm. and the Beast and and the songs from that were the same year as that. And then you got Brian Adams with Sting and Rod Stewart doing it for the Three Musketeers. So I think one of the things about this movie too is even if some people don't don't like it as much as a movie because it seems to get some low scores here and there is mm-hmm. it's, it's so tied into the promotional material. Cause that song, much like everything I do, I do it for you. I feel like when this movie came out, the Rod Stewart sting and Brian Adams song was everywhere was played constantly mm-hmm. on the radio. I very vividly oh, yeah. remember hearing this song all the time. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. And they were their own it's little. Just, they were own their own little like a musical Three Musketeers. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and that just gets the movie into more of the pop culture and yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought it was super fun, man. I, what a I, fun movie! I really enjoy this movie. I mean, it, pretty much everything about this movie works for me. I have so much fun every time I watch it. You know, does it have its storytelling issues? Sure. But you know what? You know what makes me forget any kind of storytelling issues it has? Mm. Tim, Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'll just say I could pick any one of them. I could say Michael Wincott as his character, Tim Curry, Oliver Platt. Any, any one of them in this movie mm-hmm. are absolutely awesome. But Tim Curry plays such a great villain in this movie. And his just some of the lines and the way he delivers the lines. In fact, it's funny within the last few weeks, we've had two Tim Curry movies and they're very, very different from each other. We've had Tim mm-hmm. Curry dressed as a wilderness girl in loaded weapon mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And now we've got him as Cardinal Richelieu in the three musketeers and just the mm-hmm. way he delivers. I'm surprised the the way he chews it up. I'm surprised there's any scenery left in some of these scenes because I mean, he, one of my favorites, and it's so very simple, is um, what does he say to, he says to D- D'Artagnan, he's like, tell me, D'Artagnan, what noble business brings you here? And he's like, I came to join the king's musketeers. And just the way he says the next line, 
bad timing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like that is, and, yeah. and he's, and he comes back with, so I've heard. And just the way he delivers some of these one-liners, you know, the, you know, with a, with a call of my voice, or I forget how he says it, but he's like, with a, a call of my voice, I can have the guards in here. Well, with a flick of my wrist, I could change your religion. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I love that. Yeah. All for, that was good. all for one and more for me. <laughs> it's, it's just so good. And, and I gotta be honest. I like Oliver Platt. He's great. Yeah. Kiefer Sutherland and Charlie Sheen. It, they've got the chemistry that they, you know, because they were in Young Guns together. Right. Kind of completely different genre and type thing from, you know, because that was what we called it, rock and roll western. Yeah. Was Young Guns, and this is this is a swashbuckling, a yeah. neo swashbuckling movie, if you will. Right. But uh, but those guys have great chemistry together, and like Kiefer Sutherland just does the on the ragged edge, and you know he already can do the Jack Bauer power yell, right? Oh yeah. You know. It's, 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 he, he's got that whole thing going. He's great. And, and Charlie Sheen is Charlie Sheen. I mean, that's just pretty much it. And when he's a quiet voiceover and, you know, he just it can explain things like this. And I'm just going to very logically or supposedly logically, the way I'm going to talk you through this, like the way he does that with his tone of voice yeah. is, I mean, it's just fun to watch that stuff on screen. You know, like when he's like, you, you fell on top of me. Yes, but I apologize. You know, I, it's, it's great. And, you know, I mean, maybe the scene gets it uncomfortable when you're watching it with families, but when they talk about going out and they're going wenching, you know, and he's just like, I can use the power of my voice and power of words. I, it's just the way he does that delivery. And so, yeah, people are going to get all poopy pants about like, okay, well, they don't sound like they're in France and they're not speaking with fresh accents or what, or people don't speak that way or you're too young to drink this. That wouldn't, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but they're just fun to watch on screen. So you kind of just have to be willing to go with it, you know? Porthos is hilarious in this movie. Mm -hmm. Just all of his little one-liners and just the way he delivers them. And it's, it's like the, the one where all of the, the guards show up and, and they're mm-hmm. like, well, well, we're here to arrest you. You know, something, what does he say? He says something like, you know, you know, don't even try to resist. It's like, well, of course we're going to resist. Just hold on a minute. Just give us a moment. Okay. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't be stupid. I, of I'm course we're going to resist. Yeah. He's not. Now. You're going to have to forgive me because I'm getting their names messed up. Porthos was. That was Oliver Platt. That was Oliver Platt's character. Okay. And he was, and was he also the one that when they put their heads together and say, okay, we've got it worked out. We're going to resist. And you know, when they all decide to fight together, we are now ready to resist you. He was also the one that said, you just spilled on my shirt or whatever. Yes. This was given to me by the queen of America. America doesn't have a queen. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. And there's something. What does he say? The arch, what, what the of Japan? Something of it's Tokyo. Like the, yeah, yeah. The something of was it the Archbishop of Tokyo yeah, or the, the the the? Oh my gosh, the 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 Pharaoh of Tokyo. It's just, yeah. <laughs> that that was funny stuff, man. Yeah, here here it is. It's when the Cardinals guards come up and and Athos says, "Only a fool would try to arrest us twice in one day." 
And then the, the main guard says, you're under arrest. And Aramis and Porthos both turn to each other simultaneously. A fool. Yeah. Are you coming yeah. peacefully or do you intend to resist? Oh, don't be stupid. Of course we intend to resist. Just give us a moment, all right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Everyone that's acquainted? Funny. Now we are prepared to resist you. Yes. Or I love the uh, when they're funny. when they're running away in the in the Cardinals coach, <laughs> and, and Porthos is like uh, champagne. Athos is like we're in the middle of a chase. Porthos, you're right. Something red. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It's just oh, it's, it's, it's the one one of the things I really enjoy about this movie is the it's not over the top comedy. But when mm-hmm. it needs to be when it needs to be funny enough for just a fun adventure movie, it is just the right amount of funny. It's just the right amount of comedy at just the right times. It doesn't go over the top. They're not taking their characters too seriously. They're having fun with it. Right. And the fun that they're having with their characters is infectious when you're watching it. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm 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 gonna say that it seems like this movie they capture almost with <sighs> What what you find in the Marvel movies, yeah. and it's funny because now we're now we're saturated with with Marvel movies and all that. But going back and doing the rewatch with Dominic has been interesting because it's just been like, oh yeah, I remember when these came out, and this was like a thing. And so I'm going to say this just like the Harry Potter deal is, I am so excited, and the original run of Star Wars, I am so excited that I got a chance to live through that. And I can think back to those those Marvel movies and then experience them with my kids and see Dominic's reaction the first time when this stuff's falling because that was such a hallmark of it. You know, it was good action. It was characters that inhabited their roles and had fun with it. And the writing, like some more successful than others, but it wasn't like out of place humor. It wasn't over the top humor. It sure. was just like quippy one-liners, yeah. you know, funny little asides it it's it, yeah it's, it's just good i mean and that's kind of the same thing that you watch here it's it's funny stuff yeah oh. and and chris o'donnell shout out for him he he can play like that punky kid that was just like come on man like really why do you want to fight with everybody like dude oh, just yeah. chill it out yeah you know this was a much better <laughs> this was a much better chris o'donnell punky kid than when he played robin in batman forever i, I was yeah yeah, I was going to say, yeah. hey, love, step inside when he steals the bad I don't even want to say the line. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't even want to say the line, but yeah, 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 yeah no, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I know what you're saying. But yeah, Chris O'Donnell was fun in it, and well, look at that, he's still alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and other little moments like that for him, too. He's like, Cardinal Richelieu is like, what you you object to having your head chopped off? Well, yes, I I like it very very much where it is. <laughs> like you could have as somebody who is in a movie like this, you could have a character be all full of bluster and and false bravado and be like, no, of course you can cut my head off, do your worst. I mean, you could do that whole cold thing, but but he's basically a kid, yeah. so his response is, right. no, I actually very much like my head where it is. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good. Yeah. When what was it like? Oh man, my head, I bet you wish you cut off your head now after they've been out all night. That was pretty it's good. I'm hearing whistling. No, you're not. No, you're not. no, yes, I am. I I was a little bit like 
in that scene, I was almost struck like the the one of those smash cuts in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where they're like, they say something and then suddenly it appears. I can't. It wasn't the Castle Anthrax, but weren't they working in Monty Python? And it was like, we are entering the such and such swamp or something like that. And you're, and all of a sudden the camera turns and you're like in this new location. Yeah. Or so, there's some kind of quick. That kind of felt like that in this movie because they were walking and the next thing you know, they're getting shot at by cannons and then suddenly there's a castle right there. Right. It was like, I was just like, wait, where did that castle come from? I mean, how did, like, that thing is, it's a rather large edifice. Like, how did you miss that? And these guys are like winging cannon shots at him and I'm just like, and then they're running for the trees. And uh, they're all standing there. Camelot, uh, Camelot, Camelot. Yeah. It's only a model. And, but uh, yeah, but it's like, how did that, like, how did that castle sneak up on them? Yeah. Was my question that I got to go back and watch it. But it was like, all of a sudden it was right there. Well, I was, I, because gonna, because it's just, the castle anthrax, Pat, and they, they lure people in with a false grail beacon. <laughs> We're here to rescue you from the peril. No, I want to face the peril. No, no I want to face the peril. I, I can do with a little peril. I can do with a little peril. Oh dear, that's fun. I love that scene. You know, and I was like, you know, he's getting chased. I'm just gonna say there was a part where like this big stone piece fell on one of the guys that was chasing D'Artagnan. Yeah. And at first I'm like, oh man, the horse got hit. Oh, but yeah. actually, no, the way they film it is it hit the dude on the horse, but the horse kept going. The horse was fine. It just totally smacked the guy off the horse. So I'm just like, okay, that yeah. was better. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 a little sad because when they cornered when they cornered the Jack Bauer. Musketeer, I forgot yes. his name. Yeah, Athos. Athos. When they cornered him, I did they shoot the horse? That was the they, sad part, I think. They did they shoot the horse, yeah. Yeah, I know. I was like, that. I was a little sad at that one. Yeah. In my mind, the horse got up and was healed. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, you know how the, how the, the, how the shot hit, how, how the shot hit the Charlie Sheen character and the little cross thing? I'm, yeah. I'm imagining in my head, my head cannon is that the horse was just winded. Yeah. Because I was a little bit sad. No, it's 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 like a never ending story. He'll be back in the end. It's running free with Artax. Yes. So. so. All right. Well, Patrick, do we have anything else? We love this movie. This is such a good movie. We I, love there's, it. There's, there's go nothing. see it. Yeah. Go see this movie. Go see it. I can't think of anything. Go see it. I mean, I can't even off the top of my head. I can't even think of problems I have with the story. We don't have problems with the story. because It's fun. It's a fun story. I mean, it's. It's a fun story. It's simple. It's a fun movie. If you want, if you want an adventure movie that's going to be okay for your kids to watch, this you can't do much better than this one. Yeah, it's a simple story. The dead guy killed the dead girl. Dead girl's dead. Just keep it simple. Why do you got to make things so complex? Right. All right. All for, uh, all for one, and and just do it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Pat, it's time for three questions, and I promise there won't actually be four questions. There will just be three questions. That's okay. Three. Okay. Oh, shoot. You know what? What? John, I think I saw your text. You know, we had the little conundrum of what movies we were recording tonight. Yeah. I don't know that ever. I, I, these might be impromptu because after Ooh. that, and I was like, I don't, this is exciting, John. Oh. I don't think I looked, I don't, I don't think I've read all the way through. I'm going to be answering these questions in the moment. There we go. Three mystery questions. Mystery. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. Impossible answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. 
I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, Patrick, question number one. What is your favorite swashbuckler story? Oh. Gut reaction. Mm, Gonna have to say Captain Blood. Nice. That's, yeah, that's the original. Saw it first when I was a kid. Gonna have to go with that. Then I'll let you go, and then we can name the 82 billion, like, runners up. Yeah. I mean, I have a bit of an issue because I want to say Star Wars. Yep, yep. But, and then I, I, also, and, and then I also want to say The Princess Bride. Yeah. Because I absolutely love, I, I love the entire duel between Wesley and Inigo. Yeah. I'm going to go with, because I, this is still one of my favorite movies. I could rewatch this yep. movie. I, I could watch this movie nonstop. You, you could put it on and just let it run on a constant loop, and I would watch it yep, and yep, be yep, entertained. Yep, 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 yep. I'm going The Count of Monte Cristo. Yep, 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 that's it. Yep. Yep, that, is, that is the answer for me. And I I absolutely love that duel that they have at the end of the movie, too, in the in the field. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, oh, question yeah. number two. If you were visiting France, where would you go? Is there a particular region or a city or even a landmark, a specific landmark? Where would you, you go know, if you were visiting You know, France? honestly, I would, I would definitely want to get to Normandy. Okay. I think that would be, I think that would be the, I think that would be it. I know that would be it. So, and then, I mean, like I would then like the whole country, right. I want to see the countryside, the small towns, the big cities, the whole thing. But, but honestly, I think that would be a, to see Normandy and, and, and that. Yeah. Yeah. I would go to Paris and I've actually been to Paris several times and just, it's a, Mm -hmm. it's such a fun city. Like there's so much to do there and I haven't, I haven't been to Paris in, oh, yikes. Uh, it's probably been 30 years-ish. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we went several times when we lived over in England, and mm-hmm. it, is, it has been about 30-ish years since I've been. So I can only imagine, like, from time to time, I have tried to Google some of the places, like do a Google image search or map search of places that we went to. And I'm like, okay, that looks totally different than what I remember it right. looking like when we were there. Oh, cause it was a third of a century ago. Okay. That's probably mm-hmm. why. Uh, yeah. I probably Paris. I, we went to Nice one time. We kind of stopped there for a few days while we were on our way to Milan, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I remember really enjoying Nice, you know, be, being down there in the Mediterranean. And, and I remember that being fun too, but I think I'd probably go back, Go back to Paris. Got it. That'd be a good thing. Plenty of museums and other fun stuff to see. Yeah. Museums. I know when my mom and dad went, they did a like a an organ crawl. They went and saw all like a bunch of the big pipe organs in the in the city. They yeah. went to different churches and all that kind of stuff. So nice. I know that was 
mom had a pretty cool experience with that. I love the fact that there is such a thing as an organ crawl. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I love super nerdy things like that. All right. Question number three, dual time. Choose your weapon, Pat, sword or musket? Well, yes. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I don't know. I suppose I would say sword. Okay. I, I suppose I would say sword. I'm saying as someone that doesn't have much sword skill at all. Sure. But that seems to be more of a, of a dueling type thing. I don't know about the yeah. one to turn and shoot and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I suppose I'd say sword, but I don't know. I, like, why get into a duel? I mean, let's cut a deal. That's what I would say. Well, right. I mean, if if we learned anything from Hamilton, it's that you negotiate this so that no, nobody ever has to fire a shot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm I'm picking sword. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just because. Seems more fun. Yeah. I, I feel like I could throw yeah. off my opponent by picking a sword and then making lightsaber noises while I'm trying to fight with it. I, I think, I think a sword kind of like, well, what did the one guy have? He had the, 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 the little pistol or whatever, not, you know, at the end, but then it had a sword that stuck out of it or a blade that came out of it. Yeah. Or, you know, if we, has everyone seen Picard season three spoilers for Picard season three out there, everybody on the viewership. Yeah. Just gonna say, Worf's bat laugh and this little surprise in there is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, Riker's reaction was even better. Something like that, it, it, you know, sort of like that. Yeah, you know, little combo deal. We'll just leave it at that. Enough oh, yeah. said. I, I don't know. I think yeah. I think sword. I think yeah. I don't know. The others that we talked about, different homages that this movie has. The one that yeah. made me think it would have been the perfect time for a musket, but at least they they did something similar to it when they are on the ship. And the, mm-hmm. the guy pulls out his two swords and starts swinging them around, ah, 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 doing that whole thing. And then yeah. Porthos just looks at him. He's like, nah, 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 and then cuts the rope and he falls down into the hold of the ship. Very yeah. much a little Indiana Jones moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Such a fun movie. Very cool. All right, well, that's going to do it for our three questions, and that's going to do it for this episode. So you can catch us back on 30podcast.com. Anywhere on social media, we are at 30podcast. You can pretty much find us on most of those. Search us up wherever you listen to podcasts. Look up the 30-something movie podcast. We will be there. Let's see. This actually brings to a close our action month. So this brings this to the end of the month of May. So earlier this month, if you didn't catch them, we had In the Line of Fire, Demolition Man, Loaded Weapon 1, Striking Distance, and then this one, The Three Musketeers. We are moving out. We're going to continue on with the literary tradition. And next month, in the month of June, we are moving into the From Page to Screen month. We're going to have Much Ado About Nothing, Shakespeare movie, The Pelican Brief, Shortcuts, and The Firm are going to be our regular episodes. If you're joining us over on Patreon, there are bonus episodes. There's two short bonus episodes every month and one full-length episode. Our full-length is Disney's Robin Hood from 1973. And then I've got a little theme running here for our Patreon shorts. I've got Flashdance is going to be one of our Patreon shorts from 1983. And The Flash from 2023 will be the other Patreon There you go. So nice. I will be on the Patreon. If you're on the Patreon feed, prepare to get flashed. 
fan. Oh, mm-hmm. mm. okay. <laughs> what do they have to pay to come in at people, that level? People pay for the yes. People pay for the privilege of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> come I mean, on, honey. We're streaking. <laughs> We're streaking to the park. Uh-huh, Get yep. in the car, <laughs> Frank. Yep. No, but honey, we're just getting the car. Okay. Let's get in the car. Uh, and then the month of July is our fun and games month. So fun. it's a bunch of either game or sport-related movies. We've got Cool Runnings, The Sandlot, Rookie of the Year, Rudy, and Super Mario Brothers. And then our Patreon episodes for the month of July is going to be our full-length Patreon episode is going to be From Here to Eternity, 1953. Oh, yes. And then our Patreon shorts are going to be War Games from 1983 and Westworld from 1973. So good, good stuff coming up on the main feed and the Patreon feed. So get us in both of those areas. And like I said before, Patreon, if you're if you're worried, you're like, hey, I can't I can't fork over five bucks a month. I just I can't have it. I can't do that right now. Any amount over there, like a dollar a month, even just even that little amount helps support the show, helps us to cover some of the costs of the show and keep everything running, keep the lights on over here. But then that also gets you all of the different bonus stuff that comes out every single time. So for less than like 20% of the price of a cup of coffee a day or or even a month, you could get bonus content over there and support the show at the same time. So head on over there. We got all kinds of fun stuff going on on Patreon and then also here on the main feed. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, just let people know if they love eighties, nineties movies, let your friends know that this is a fun place to hang out. Yeah, man. And thank you to all those that are already supporting us. That's pretty awesome. Absolutely. We, we appreciate it so, so much. We are just amazingly humbled by that. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Pat, that's going to do it for this time. It is. So, I was going to try to end it with like be excellent to each other, all for one, one for all, go watch some good movies, something like that. But um, I think you should. I, I was I was worried well, I was going to mess up the all for one and one for all thing. Well, that's all. Let's get prepped and then using the the wonders of technology, magic. We'll we'll just edit it in and it'll be a seamless transition. Okay, so see, since Pat doesn't explain his jokes, what I'm going to explain here is Pat Pat thinks I do editing. <laughs> So, what is this editing you speak of? You keep using this word. I don't think that word means what you think it means. All right, (laughs) everybody, be excellent to each other, all for one and one for all, and we'll see you back here next time.